My name is Billy Kobe, and you're listening to Do Better Media. If you like what you hear, or even if you don't, please subscribe to the show. We are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically wherever podcasts are being heard. And please don't forget the hashtag when searching for Do Better Media on your favorite podcast carrier. We would also like to thank Pocket Cast and Overcast for carrying Do Better Media. You can find all the episodes of both Do Better Politics and Do Better Media on these two podcast carriers. Thank you again for listening to Do Better Media. Congress is currently debating what would be President Biden's signature achievement, the Build Back Better Act. According to CBS News, the 10-year bill, which is going to route a budget reconciliation due to political preferences, makes great accommodations for such things as Medicaid benefit expansion, climate change, prescription drug benefits, and paid family and medical leave. The Build Back Better Act also allots over $700 billion for educational advancements, including tuition-free community college, increased money for child care assistance, and universal pre-K for all three- and four-year-old kids. These educational advancements would be a significant step forward in attacking the education gap. To give us better insight on the challenges of raising young children in 2021, and how the proposed Build Back Better legislation would help moms across the country, we've invited a few of my friends and friends of the program, professionals and moms, Audrey Zvain, Ellie Crawford, Rachel Butler, and Ravathi Rahagopal to join us in this week's Do Better Media Forum. Joining us today in the Do Better Media Forum are friends of the program, moms Audrey Zvain, Ellie Crawford, Rachel Butler, and Ravathi Rahagopal. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Billy. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. Excited to be here. You know, one of the beautiful things about technology is that it brings us together. Now, I know the answer to this question, but could each of you tell the audience where you're located? Uh, this is Ravithi Rajagopal. I am currently located in Sioux City, Iowa. This is Rachel, and I am in Kobe, Japan. This is Audrey, and I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, I am currently in Champaign, Illinois. Before we jump into the specifics of the Build Back Better plan with regard to child care and education, I wanted to open this question up to everyone on the panel, and I'm excited to ask this. Let's uh, talk about some of the differences between the cultures. We've got a lot of um, diversity on this panel in terms of culture, in terms of background. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. I want to open that up to everyone in the group. All right. So I grew up in rural Virginia. So a lot of my own childhood was spent like freely running around outside. But now I'm living in a city of like one and a half million people. So it it's a I, I feel like my own child is having a really different like kind of connection with nature and other people. Like I grew up with a lot more nature than other people, but she seems to already be like so she's only one, but she's like very social, very friendly, very interested in people. 
And I, I sometimes do worry though, that like, she's not getting exposed to like enough dirt, enough, enough playing mm -hmm. outside because it's, there's just not as many opportunities here. I think when I think about cultural differences, I think, um, part of my identity is that I'm first generation American. So my parents immigrated the U S from India and I have a five-year-old and I have a six week old and, um, you know, the whole like child rearing part, you, it's such a, it's such a um, community activity, you know, like your family, extended family is all involved. And for me, I don't really have that. Um, you know, me and my siblings are all spread out across the United States. Um, it's just, it's different. It's, it's a sense of family has definitely evolved and, and, and it's a little bit harder, I think, because I think that that group support is so necessary when you're raising children and to kind of have come from growing up in that kind of environment to now being a mom and not having that is, is pretty challenging. Um, raising kids is like an Olympic sport. That's, I mean, hands down. <laughs> we all deserve gold medals. Absolutely. <laughs> Me, I am, um, I guess I am an immigrant. Um, I immigrated to America when I was seven. So I kind of have the best of both worlds of like, I grew up in a different country. I was born in Nigeria and, and I also grew up in America. Um, so I also come from um, a culture that child rearing is kind of, is, it takes your whole family. Um, it's a village. Um, it's not just you on your own. And as a new mom, um, I'm in a position where I don't have family around me, um, neither myself or my husband. And we're trying to figure it out on our own. And we're actually having to rely on our friends a lot um, versus mm. our actual family members. So it's it's kind of interesting and um just awesome to be in a position where I do have friends that I can lean on um and now consider them my family um so I'm only about 600 miles I guess from where I grew up at this point in time um but the Midwest is very similar to the area in Texas where I grew up um, so not a huge shift in that regard, but I notice at least the difference between the way my husband and I are raising my daughter and the way that I was raised um, in just the way that our, our family is set up. Um, you know, both of my parents worked nine to five and they both had long, you know, one, one hour each way commutes um, as I was growing up and I spent a lot of time in daycare and Luckily, I loved our daycare. We had a great relationship with the care providers and the kids there. So it was, you know, a nice, wonderful experience. Um, but now, you know, the first eight months of my daughter's life, um, she was at home with her dad while I worked full time. And watching their bond and relationship that they have has been really amazing and, and remarkable. And it's it's so exciting to see, but it's also so different than the relationship I remember having with my dad um, you know, especially early on in my childhood, we developed a relationship later on when we got older. But as a as a kid, it seemed like he was always working even more so than my mom. Um, and so that's certainly been a big 
shift or a difference I've noticed um, this in this last year with with our daughter is just the relationship she has with her dad is really, really special. Okay, so my last question for the panel is this. The Build Back Better Act provides for increased funding for child care help and for universal pre-K for all three and four-year-old children. I want to ask each of you if you believe this legislation would help families in the U.S. and how it would do so if you believe it would. And also, are there socioeconomic qualifiers in terms of the potency of this help? Sometimes when when assistance bills are passed, it may hit certain segments of the population Um I guess harder than others. Um, do you think there are any any qualifiers um, in terms of maybe it's going to help some people more than others? I think that's a loaded question. Um, I think it's a, it's an important question, um, and and it's multifaceted. I think, you know, is it going to be helpful for for childcare to be covered um, and greater access to? Um, preschool and kindergarten education for children. I think overall, yes, that's going to be helpful, but that's not going to be the only, um, that's not the only uh, answer that's kind of necessary to the overall global crisis that we're facing in terms of child rearing and having children. Most people are, are not having children these days because it's just too difficult in terms of um, work schedules and childcare and, and schooling and um, how schedules are set up. You know, we're supposed to work during the day, but our kids get out of school at three o'clock, but we don't, you know, the typical work schedule is eight to five, um, things like that. There has to be a lot of structural changes. And um, when we're talking about socioeconomic issues and populations being left out, you know, um, my background is an, is an immigration attorney and um, and I actually work as a dean of inclusion at a community college right now. And those two really look at um, accessibility situations. And oftentimes when we're talking about programs that are put into place for infrastructure and childcare, one of the biggest populations that are left out are persons who have limited income and immigrant communities. And I think that we're going to see especially immigrant communities are, are going to be disproportionately impacted in terms of lack of access to these childcare services um, is what I think we'll probably see. Can't contribute too much to this conversation, but as someone who works in education, it's exciting to hear that the government is making um, this kind of investment in the education of our children. There are many studies out there that, talk about um, the positive outcomes for students who attend preschool, uh, the positive education and uh, professional outcomes that those students have compared to other students who don't attend uh, preschool and pre-kindergarten programs. And so it's, it's very exciting to me. But, it, but the question I guess I have is where is that level now? Where is that level of investment now? And is that anywhere near adequate um, for what, I'll rephrase. I believe that 
where we put our resources is where we put our value in organizations, especially where organizations put their resources is where they put their value with the United States making, uh, proposing such an investment in uh, childcare in uh, the education of our children. What is that saying about their um, belief in the value of the education of our, of our children. Well, I wonder if it's even more than what it says about the value of education, but rather like kind of the value of women, because if there's not like some, you know, a a good daycare system or a universal pre-K in place, then pretty much the assumption is that women are going to stay home with their children. Right. So uh, for, for me, it's, it's more, what 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 does our country or well <laughs> what does the US think of women more than education because I, I think the public school system is a very different <laughs> very different system and a very different problem about yeah you know, what what that says about our views on education but i think for like you know under 5 years old i think that's more of what's the view of women and women's role in society Rachel, you you right now residing in Japan, and um, could you talk a little bit about um, any differences that you see in terms of government investment in um, in child rearing, in families, and in in child rearing that um, compared to the U.S. Absolutely. So yeah, kind of. In theory, on paper, it sounds really great. Yes, Japan does have a subsidized public daycare and preschool system, but it's really for women who return to work. Like once children turn three, they're kind of guaranteed to get into like a universal pre-K sort of program. But under age three, there's this priority system. It's a point system, mostly based on your employment status. So for example, right now I'm looking for work, but I haven't gotten hired yet. So that's worth less points than if I were like already working. So it it kind of makes it hard for women who want to return to work to return to work because they can only go back to work if they know they have childcare, but they can only get childcare if they have a job. So kind of under age three, I think Japan is like even more in the, gosh, I don't even know if, I don't, I don't even think it was that bad in the stone age, right? Like I think then there was more community care, but Japan doesn't really have that. There's not a system of like nannies or babysitters or even like asking your friend to watch your kid for a while. It just doesn't happen. So if you don't have family nearby, it's all on you if you're not able to get your child into a program. And it's it's a really, really, really stressful thing for me right now. (laughs) But but after she turns three, it'll be so easy. But I I do think that Japan is, oh, not just think, it it does have a a big um, gender inequality issue with, and childcare is part of that. Well, I'm very excited (laughs) for... Uh, this legislation, and I hope it goes through. Um, I think one assumption that we have in this country is that the most accessible way that we have to climb the socioeconomic ladder is through education. And this legislation, through 
the um, increased funding for things like childcare and, and pre-K programs seeks to even out more even out the uh, disparity in income, the disparities in education um, through these opportunities. And so I'm, I'm very, as an educator, I'm, I'm very excited to, for this uh, legislation and, and I hope it goes through. Yeah, I think if we want to give our children um, as much of a head start as possible and equal opportunity for children, no matter where they grow up and in what kind of environment, then making sure that there's a universal system in place for early pre-K, early child education is really critical um, because, you know, there's certain things that children learn early on when their brains are still developing um, that we can't correct later on. We can't, we can't help um, fix problems, you know, later on after the brain is already done growing and changing. Um, we have to really get a head start on it and make sure that children are having opportunities early on. Um, and I think the best way to really address some of the problems that we have with inequality is making sure that um, especially our young developing brains have a place to go and have opportunities available to them, no matter, you know, what kind of background they have. Can I ask a question to my fellow panelists? So in Japan, part of the problem with the like day, like childcare is that there's like a really big shortage. There's just not enough. There are not enough preschools. Yeah. There are not enough daycares. But if this legislation in the U.S. goes through and there's all this funding, will there be, like, do you think there will be enough locations to have the schools, enough teachers to fill the positions or do you think it's going to be kind of one of those things that like sounds really good, but doesn't work out kind of like how it is in Japan? Rachel, I think that's a great question. And that's kind of what I was also thinking um, is how is this actually going to get implemented? Um, like what is the access to this um, great opportunity? What does that actually look like? Um, like, especially for, neighborhoods that are not, you know, as wealthy, like, are we going to see more daycares in those areas or are parents going to still have to drive out and look for locations um, that they can send their children? Like, are they going to pay more teachers? Are they, is there going to be an incentive to be a part of this program? And that's, those are things that like, I don't know the answer to. And um, I didn't see any information on that. Um, and I just feel like it, this is just going to be one of those situations that it sounds good, but um, I'm I, maybe I'm just cynical. I don't really think it's going to be as good as we want it to be. Can I add to that? I think, uh, you know, because it was discussed as part of the Build Back Better plan is making community college free, right, for those first two years. And when we're talking about sustainability, and just like teachers, right, that, that, that um, people force, if you take out access to higher education for the persons who need that to be our teachers, are we really putting ourselves in a position where this, this universal schooling um, and preschool and kindergarten is not sustainable? And I think that, you know, that's what I was kind of getting at in the beginning is it's such a multifaceted issue 
that we need to have universal preschool and kindergarten, but we also need to reduce um, barriers to access for higher education for persons to be able to get the skills that they need um, to be able to be in the workforce and, and be teachers and, and things like that. Absolutely fascinating conversation. I want to thank each of you for taking time with us right now to be in the Do Better Media Forum. Thank you for listening to Do Better Media. Once again, if you like what you hear, or even if you don't, please subscribe to the show. We are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically wherever podcasts are being heard. And please don't forget to hashtag when searching for Do Better Media on your favorite podcast carrier. See you next week.